Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a Photog adventure of your own. It's episode 104. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. Doesn't it? Four under the belt over 100. (laughs) Now I can't wait for 200. That's going to change everything. 200 will be amazing. That'll be, oh my gosh, that'll be uh, three, three whole years. Yeah, absolutely three whole years. Yeah, yeah. I believe we'll hit another hundred before we get Actually, to that yes. year because we have the patron because podcast. We're doing, yeah, because we're doing interviews and other podcasts for patrons, it's going to double our number. So, yeah, we might get there before the end of the year. Four episodes will happen in a year. Yeah, and we so have before the next year, this year too. we'll get to 200. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, awesome. That'd be amazing. So if you guys want to listen to all of them, sign up. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Adventures. Hope you guys are having a good holiday. Most likely you're listening to this while driving maybe with family, going somewhere, mm-hmm. flying for Thanksgiving. If you're in North America and you celebrate Thanksgiving, you are somewhere right now listening to the podcast either during that break or driving to it. So thanks for joining or sharing some of that time with our voices. Mm, yeah. And if you're coming from the UK or Australia, you don't give a flip. <laughs> Not even <So>. a slight <laughs> flip. But at least if you're in Australia, you're enjoying what's coming into a great summer, I hope. Mm, yeah. As we're getting colder and colder, it's getting warmer and warmer. That sounds nice. Let's go travel there for a minute. <sighs> oh, dude, no kidding. I mean, I like to hang cold, out to play in the cold, but um, it's not fun every single day. <laughs> we got Beeksma down there. He'd be totally glad to have us. Mm. We have a ton of guys that if I start naming everybody, it'll just be, I forgot, I forgot. But we got to yeah. say Jeff. Jeff would Jeff, be sweet yep. to hang out with. Yep. So, man, oh, here we are, 104 episodes in. We are talking about our time out in Thor's, Hasita, Thor's again, Cape Kiwanda and Cannon Beach. But before mm. we get into that Oregon stuff, we want to talk a little bit about our Black Friday sale. If you're listening to this right when it came out, then you're knowing that tonight at midnight, the Black Friday sales at photogadventures.com are open. Ooh, They're what live. Do we have? You can go to blackfriday.photogadventures.com and you'll see the Black Friday store. Mm. So if you're excited to get in on these deals, you have all the way through Cyber Monday. And what these deals are going to include, we have workshops for $200 discounts that are happening through here. So nice. join us for a Milky Way workshop tonight or a four-night with a $200 discount. Come and join. Mm. Now, if you're going to go to a two-night workshop, that one's actually only going to be $150 off. So instead of $650 to get in on it, it's only $500. Nice. So it's a nice deal, awesome deal. And we are going to have our Star Tracker course as well as our one-on-one Skype call. If you guys yep. want to learn anything yep. through Skype and That's you an have hour, something. Hour Skype session. And the merchandise, And Brendan. the merch. Merch.photogadventures.com. So we are setting up a new merchandise store, guys, for uh, t-shirts and bags and hats and stuff like that. It's like 20 bucks for a shirt. You know, and stuff like that. So Get a hat, pretty, have pretty a Photog Adventures logo. Yeah, pretty reasonable. And we'll, we're going to add stuff to it and have a lot of fun with our shirts. So, yeah, look look for that, guys. Awesome. And we're going to have two new courses. I am throwing up these courses that you're going to be a part of live. And these two courses are a composition course to focus on the communication of composition. Mm. How do you communicate the story of composition to the people who are looking at your image? Are they going to understand you as to what you valued as the most important in your image? Mm. And how can you take advantage of all these many different composition rules to get your image singing the way you want it to? I mean, how do some of these images that you know look awesome? Why did they work so well? We're going to break these things down in the course, as well as something that's kind of special because constantly you talk about composition, you go to a location, you try and put them in practice, but it's pretty difficult and you think, what's wrong? What's happening here? Mm. Well, using my video game history and working in the video game industry, I am going to provide you guys with a simulation of a composition. So what's going to happen is we're going to have different scenarios that I create in this 3D world and you're going to have a chance to move the camera around and create your composition as if you could float and go anywhere. You're going to get a chance to line up the camera just like we did over at Disney to make our screenshots to get 
get the perfect composition. Now, the mm. reason why I want you guys to play around like this is because you'll practice all the different elements, leading lines, going through and using the rule of thirds, trying to use different triangles, trying to use different elements and balance and make that image look really good. And because of using this 3D world and having the camera be freeform, you can then find out, okay, I made this look awesome right here and tweaking it this way made it even better. And it'll put into practice some of the connection with the landscape and the things that you need to think about and how you can connect with them and see where minor changes can mean the whole difference as well as making some big changes that you might not have thought with just a little bit of practice. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a driving simulator. You're going to learn how to drive by practicing doing it and then you get out there and it's so much more second nature. This is an opportunity to work with me directly, get your portfolios reviewed and get elements of your compositional, like everything you're doing right compositionally, we'll get heard from me and we'll talk about it and we'll talk about your strengths and then work on your weaknesses and get better together. Mm, and so that composition really cool. course is going to be up there on our Black Friday sell as well as another one to get everyone really really good at photo pills photo pills mm. is a fantastic app now planet for photographers has a ton of sweet features it's very overwhelming lots of information but we're going to focus on photo pills in this first one and help you guys become experts at using photo pills to plan your photography <sighs> so aaron's losing his breath he can barely talk through all of this and so man i'm really excited to have you guys jump into those courses they are going to be live courses opportunities for you to work with me directly. Take advantage of the prices that I'll have now for Black Friday. Nice. So no more announcements. We're ending it right there like we said last time. No more announcements. Getting on with photography. And so we begin with an amazing, completely unique experience out at Thor's Well. Okay. So let's put this disclaimer out right now for anyone listening to this and thinking about doing it. Mm. Guys, there's only one opportunity that you can do this and it's low tide, low swells. It doesn't matter if it's low tide if the swells are intense mm -hmm. and the swells were mm -hmm. practically nothing. It was just, just super calm. Oh yeah. A confluence of conditions that just made it so calm and so safe to be out along a lot of this rock at this time. So when he's out there waiting for the cook's chasm to have that spouting horn go off and you got nothing, it was so low, mm -hmm. such perfect conditions for at least being there safely. So what ends up we end up talking about is being there all throughout the night and all the way at the edge of some of these parts where if a rogue wave were to take us, they'd take us to our deaths. Yeah, they usually could if it was the wrong conditions. So everything you hear us talk about for the next 10 minutes, just know we are never going to do that ever unless we have that low, almost nothing swell situation and low tides. Yeah, because otherwise, uh, wow, it's a death zone. And it really is. So first I'll start with what went well, then let's go to you. Okay. So what went well is that it did have a vertical Milky Way right behind Thor's well, and I was stoked. I got that nice shot. I had it combined already with my camera and tripod. That Faisal really went fantastic just to keep everything steady. And I was able to just have things in position and stayed in position up until the Milky Way was up, and I just did a time lapse. Having the 5D Mark mm. IV being able to use a time lapse is so great because I'm not sure which one of the angles I'll like most. Right. I might even right. like it when it's tilted and kind of coming out of Thor's well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just did a time lapse and just sat there and enjoyed the night. I turned my music on on my phone, and I just looked at the stars and enjoyed the sound of the waves crashing around me. I, I was in heaven. Yeah. And then you wrapped up? I mean, what'd you do after you took your shots? Yeah, so I was taking those time lapses, and these guys started trying to do some challenges with the light. And so I just had my back to you guys so that I mm -hmm. didn't get blinded by the lights going off and on. And you know, I was just enjoying it. And I don't know if you want to mention what went well for you on that, or is this going to go into what went well is more after I left? Because maybe I'll explain that I yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to explain... Okay. I want you to explain why you left because I wasn't actually sure. I can't remember why. what was your reason. You've so I'm sitting there enjoying just hanging out, knowing that we have Teresa who's up there waiting in the van for us, as well as oh, John Henry right. Marie says up, he is yeah. ready to walk back. Okay. And so being responsible for everyone on this Oregon Coast Listener Adventure, at least one of us needs to be with them or at least make sure everyone's okay. And so I figured going a half an hour before these guys back up would be fine. I grabbed the keys from Drew and I was going up with John just to make sure walking around all of the sharp coral that and no lava hurt, rock so yeah, that okay. no one gets hurt, no one gets tripped, no one goes up in the dark and we have no idea that they sprained their ankle. Yeah. And so I figured someone has to go in a group. So I went back with them 
and okay. hung out early, figuring it'd just be like 20 or 30 minutes. You yeah, guys you, were going to join me soon. You expected us to wrap up soon, right? And then join you. Nothing was really working with what you guys were trying to do with the light because then that splash would come and they go, now! And you would turn on your light after the splash had gone away. Mm-hmm. And it was just impossible to do what you guys are trying to do and make it I look I got the good. timing down after a while, actually. <laughs> it got I'd better? Hear, yeah, because Thor's will has this kind of like this thump. It goes thump. And then it goes so you're learning when the I was learning the timing up. and the timing's different for every time the tide and and swell <laughs> levels you know what I mean so the timing's gonna be different every day right but it's the, but it's that dead giveaway of the thump where it fills at the beginning thump, and then it goes <laughs> and so I got that timing down for that particular night and like so after like the 10th I want to say about the 10th time I'm just like okay guys I think I got it down now as a thump, and like Turn the light on, catch it, and like, yeah, we nailed it, you know. <laughs> Explain what exactly you guys were doing, what stuff you had there, what you had set up. Okay, so we were lighting the water coming up, but then we realized um, one of the reasons that uh, Kirk had brought all these, like, glow sticks was to put it in the well. So we're like, okay, so now we got to tie these glow sticks up. And uh, we had some fishing line. And so we tied five of these glow sticks together. Uh, in a string. So he like did a little knot and then did like a couple inches, like five, six inches, and then tied another one, did another. So we had tied five of these up. It took like 20 whole minutes just to tie these things together <laughs> and get them all set. And uh, they're This is blue. what they did right before the Milky Way was getting good. So yeah, like in yeah. Nautical Twilight and Astro Twilight, they were messing around with this, getting ready. They yeah. knew what they wanted to do. And then so we had, so we had these blue um, glow sticks and we threw them in there and we're like, I don't see anything. Like I was expecting like this awesome blue glow in the well. The way right? we put lights like that in the hole over at Dance Hall Rock and you yeah. get a long exposure, everything glows bright. Yeah. And then we didn't see anything. Nothing was these happening. These things were here. in the well and the well would come up and splash water and these things would go flying up and then back down and flying up and then come back down. <laughs> and so every like two minutes, these things would go flying up and come back down and then we'd have these blue streaks in yeah. with the white water and we're like this is kind of cool <laughs> and i'm like dang i wish we would have put more in because i really wanted the the glow coming from the well like some magical blue glowing you know the glow sticks were cool to some degree but then we tried mixing the blue with some red light and then that was kind of cool but then when i set up that light panel on that little rock and i left it there and i walked away and then kirk could control it from his phone he set the rgb um cycle and then set it to like really fast and what so it was changing. It was changing through the whole color cycle, like as a strobe light, like, almost like a strobe light. So green, red, blue, yellow, you know, all orange, all that purple. All that, you know, go through all whole color range. Would it turn itself off in between, or was it no, going? No, it was just completely cycling every uh, the whole time, constant, so constant, light constant that rainbow light. Colors, yeah, over and over. Yeah, fast. so so if you took like a. Uh, a uh, five-second exposure, you'd have basically a white light because it'd go through the whole cy- cycle within four or five seconds. So what would happen mm. is what we realized is that this thing would, the well would splash up and all of a sudden this RGB light that was 45 degrees from us, so side lighting the water, yeah, yeah, we would get two-tone or even three-tone water. How long were your color. shutters then? Um, were you taking faster now? Because we were doing probably between eight and ten seconds, I guess. You said something about if you go four to five seconds long, you just see white light. What did you mean by that then? Well, like you know, RGB. You know, like the rainbow is basically when you, you know, do a whole rainbow. Yes, yeah, so if you had it as together, long as five white. seconds, it would see all the colors. Maybe and I was off white. a little bit. Maybe more like ten seconds or or so. But because if you saw different colors in ten seconds, he would change. He would vary the delay, and so sometimes it was slower, sometimes oh. it was fast. And so depending on how fast or how slow it was, we get different reactions from the light hitting the water. Okay. And so some of our images turned out looking like rainbow splashing, you know, <laughs> and then the Milky Way was right behind it. Like the splash was splashing into the Milky Way with these colors. And it's like, holy crap, man, like this is insane. And so we were out there for probably a solid hour. Yeah, you after were. Because I you thought left. you were coming back up and I just, I changed out of my wet socks, my NRS boundary socks, my wet shoes. And I'm sitting there comfortable now thinking they're just up here any second. And did you even look out and see all the colors happening when the splashing? Well, here's the thing. Where we parked, we have a bunch of tree line blocking it. So mm-hmm. I have to go all the way to the very end where there were three or four vehicles parked oh, and people yeah. by them. So you and couldn't, so I see, couldn't you're, walk you're over blocked. into them. I was blocked. I couldn't see what you guys were doing until about halfway through an hour of waiting for you. I guess probably 45 minutes in, I go out to see if I can at least see you guys walking or if the light's on. And I see the light is still going and I'm thinking, oh man. But I noticed it was constant. Yeah. So I thought maybe that was a sign of you guys turning the light on so you can get packed up. But it was not the case. No, we did some very red light at the very end, a solid red light. So we did the rainbow colors first. Then we did a solid red, try to get some hot blue. 
action, you know, hot, cold, red and blue light kind okay. of mixing yeah. and hitting like the water on one side, blue, one side, red, and the blue underneath, you know, getting splashed from the bottom from the glow sticks. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So, so this is a crazy Bellagio like water, it's really interesting fountain color presentation. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, with all your images, I was scrolling through them, and man, I got some good ones. What do you call good one? What what turned out? What went well? Ones that were like that were really like one of the, the kind of a bigger splash, maybe five or six high. And granted, because it was low swells, we didn't have these ginormous big splashes. We just had these really fine misty splashes mm. when it just got just enough volume okay. to splash up. And so you have this fine mist kind of feathering out of the side of the well and and literally leaning leading you into the Milky Way behind it. That's cool. And so it was like. We, once we started getting those shots, we were freaking out and we that's just, why they never came back. Yeah. We never, came, that's why it took forever <laughs> to get back because we we're having so much fun at that point. So there's going to be a lot more of us talking about this with Drew and Kirk who were there with you. So they'll yeah. help clarify some more of the story oh, as yeah. well yeah. as talk about the things that went really well for them. And you'll have a chance to have processed your images by then. Yeah. After the, right now I'm just kind of cold through really fast and like, Oh, yeah, that's a good one, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I didn't really process them yet. So, yeah. So one of the neat things about this low, low tide, low, low swell, was that we could be on the right side of Thor's well facing mm-hmm. Southern Milky Way. Right. I mean, it has to be said that the Milky Way is so far, like it, it, when you think about South, it wasn't South because it's Southwest, mm-hmm. but the way that Thor's well comes out, you're looking what feels like directly South to see it. Mm. And so it really takes a later time in the year to even be possible to see Thor's well plus Milky Way. Right. And to be on the side of this well that looks towards the Milky Way is almost 100% of the time dangerous. Totally yeah. too dangerous. Because a big to stand. rogue wave could come over the wall and splash you and oh, knock yeah. you on your and some of those face. And, you <laughs> some know. of those medium waves last time that were going up and over us during our landscape shots, they would be all around that area that I was sitting. That rock that I was sitting on and had my tripod hooked mm-hmm. up to would be constantly wet every wave coming mm-hmm. through there. Mm-hmm. And so it was insanely calm, just wonderfully calm and perfectly allowing us to align with Thor's well and the Milky Way. So we're so freaking lucky. It there. really was. It was a perfect... Um, set of events to make this possible. This is something that probably would be nearly impossible most of the time. Yeah, and dangerous, so please don't do it. Please yeah. don't do it. Magic at Thor's Well. What a fantastic way to have a Milky Way it show really up at Thor's cool. Well. Never yeah. expected to be able to do that. No, no. Let's go ahead and take our break, and let's just say our only break of the podcast. We'll come right back and finish up. Okay. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We're talking our other half of the listener adventure out on the Oregon coast. And remember, come back for next podcast on Wednesday, where we have all of our listeners that joined us tell their side of the story and the things that went really well for them and what they loved about doing Milky Way out here on the Oregon coast. Yeah, because some guys, uh, you know, like Teresa and John, joined us for the whole day. And there's others like Kyle and um, Mary Beth. You meant the whole week? Yeah, for the whole week. Sorry, I say the whole day. Yeah, he did. (laughs) They joined us for the whole week, and then we had other guys like Kyle and Mary Beth and some others join us for just a couple days or one day and jobs and stuff like that. So, yeah. So uh, it'll be fun to have them on. Yeah, I'm excited to have them and talk to them and see what really stands out in their mind that went really well and things and advice, elements of advice that they would give you guys for your first time going out to these locations. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about Hasita Head. Uh, We went there the next morning. And uh, for sunrise-ish. Yeah, sunrise. Yeah. It I mean, was definitely sunrise. We got there early enough to have a sunrise and dealing with the mountain peaks. That's the how thing is, yeah, the, the hills are so high in that area that the mountain that just blocks the sun for so many hours. Yeah. Like two whole hours, it seems like. Other before. than having like the bands of <laughs> Venus, we really don't have any color in the sky until it gets peeking up over some of those trees. And then again, we were still left with a blank sky with just nothing in the sky, no clouds, just a, <sighs> just a blank canvas out there. So, I mean, so Kirk and I and Drew were up on the overlook that looks over and you can see the lighthouse from the other side. And then you and John, you went to the lighthouse? Yeah, I had a wide angle lens selection only. And so I wanted to make sure that I took advantage of what I could do with it by getting right up there intimate with Hasita Head. And so if I was to summarize what went well, what didn't go well at Hasita Head, 
Well, wet well is right up there in this spot. The sunlight comes up and it has a great shaft of light that hits mm-hmm. there. There are mm-hmm. particulates in the air. I could have had rays going into that yeah. and it could look pretty amazing. I could add an Orton effect and give that a really neat look. But then what doesn't go well is if you're like me and you're just kind of... You only want to follow the rules. You just understand that they don't want erosion and broken up Mm. pathways. They don't want to create pathways through this part. And just when they request, don't step on the grass. Don't step over here. Don't walk over the fence. Don't hike back here. I I follow those rules. Mm. I I understand that there's a lot of photographers who get out and just, you know, forget it. I'm going to go up here and get a great shot. And they come out with some fantastic compositions. From an angle that they shouldn't probably have gotten, right? At least currently the rule is don't go back there. Mm-hmm. They don't want you back there, even though you can see a well-worn path that's just obvious going right over there. You you climb the fence. I mean, they put the sign saying, don't climb the fence and go on the path <laughs> right there at the path. And so it's like... They really need to saw that over and seed it so they can actually cover that, you yeah. know, kind of camouflage that path. You have the something. temptation, the greatest right here. And so they put the mm. sign there to slap your face and say, do not do this. Well, so there's a pathway on the right that you can go and get up there on this other angle. That's okay. And, you know, I stretched it as much as I could. I stayed near the path, but then wiggled my way into the bushes right here where I can try and not cause any problem, but also try and see the lighthouse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, then I'm looking practically directly west and at a wide enough angle I can see all the way into the cove and then just tree line blocking everything else. So I can see all of the lighthouse with the big tall lighthouse on the right and all the little red houses to the left. And it's interesting, but my problem was wide enough to make the whole scene show up made a distortion, obviously. And then you've got these tree branches in your pathway coming into frame. And so Mm. with a really wide distorted lens, you get these really weird distorted tree branches coming Mm -hmm. into view. Mm -hmm. And if I cropped them out, then I was cropping out a lot of my scene. So I had to compromise with really wide distorted branches coming into frame, but I was trying to get them off of my subject as best I could. So you're like a 15 millimeter I'm at wide? 15 millimeter okay. wide using that Tamron. And I'm out here. And if I want to try and keep the lighthouse from being too distorted, I had to keep it on the lower part of my frame. I couldn't mm. pull it to the far right. And I couldn't pull it to the top or the bottom as it would completely stretch it and change the angle and change the straightness of yeah, the lighthouse. Yeah. And I wanted to keep the straightness of the lighthouse. The problem was, is the more straight I kept it in the lighthouse, the more I could keep that ain't like the height of my tripod at the right position to do that. I got the stupid bushes underneath me mm. taking up two, like a whole third of my image, not just con, like not just you know context at the bottom, but an actual whole third leading towards mm. half and blocking a lot of my subject. So the best possible angle was going up a little higher and tipping it just a little, tipping the camera just a little where it starts pulling on my wide angle lens and making a little bit of distortion in the lighthouse, Mm -hmm. but less of those bushes. And I got out to the far enough on the right that I could get the stupid trees and branches that are in my path to kind of frame the shot instead of be crossing my subject. And then at that point, I was just thinking a time-lapse. A time-lapse will work the best. I don't love this image for any Mm -hmm. true reason. I think my eyes go way to the edges and see those trees far more. And they're treated with, like I said, in the composition communication. Because of my composition, it communicated that these were important. Mm. And they're not. They're not important. And they couldn't crop them off well enough. Hmm. So a time lapse would be fun. So at least you could see it in motion and see the Venus bands go down in the background and see the light come up in the lighthouse. And then just, (laughs) I just, I don't know why, why. My 5D Mark IV took a hit in Iceland. And maybe there's something wrong inside there causing Mm. a connection to the battery issue. It's possible it is a little bit bulgy on the bottom where the L bracket connects with the base of my camera body. But checking on my time lapse, seeing that I had 800 images to go and three-fourths of my battery power, 10 minutes later, my camera turned off. Huh. And because I've been sitting there for a half an hour to 45 minutes, I'm kind of distracting myself playing Clash Royale on my phone. I had a little cell signal, so I was checking Facebook and writing emails to people. And then the dang thing I realized was off probably for a few minutes. When Mm. I went over there and I checked it and I started the time lapse again, I I thought, okay, wait, does this even work? 
I checked the last frame and then the new frame that I just started and I saw how much the light changed. The way the time lapse went, oh. it was mostly boring and then the light started finally hitting the lighthouse at the very, very top and it was starting to paint that white lighthouse yeah. with gold. Yeah. <laughs> and then the camera goes... It stopped. Oh, and then the geez. next frame I have on there, half to more than half of the lighthouse is lit with gold and paint. Oh. And so it was just... So that beautiful transitions gone. Gone completely. Yeah. And it would be really abrupt and really awkward <laughs> yeah. to see see it in the time last yeah. if I kept it going yeah. so I cursed at my camera and I wondered what the heck was going on I bought new two new batteries thinking maybe it was the battery I mean it was not too cold it was not mm. too weird not mm. too wet why why I don't know why Steve perchance Steve was it Steve perchance and you so know, well, my camera did something funny too I think it was um what night was that uh, one of the nights what we did were it out. do that was funny well, I just I just completely lost control of my left hand menus on the oh, left side really? of my screen. All those buttons they gone. Just weren't responsive. No, and it, and then also, uh, and I don't know if it was the moisture, the air, or whatever, but but it wasn't too cold. Nothing had happened. I didn't drop my camera, and yet the whole thing was completely non-responsive. And I couldn't even change like my ISO, my shutter, or anything. Wow! I could take a That's picture. Significant. I could take a picture, <laughs> and then. It wouldn't let me review it either. Like the screen also was not displaying Ooh. anything. It was so bizarre. And so that night I just turned it off and I don't remember what night it was. It might've been Thursday night, I think, but I don't remember for sure. And so I turned it off and let it sit overnight. And then once I turned back on the next day, yeah, fine. It's like nothing Weird. ever happened. It was so bizarre. Yours could be age. It is a 5D Mark III. It's been yeah, through a lot. It's been You've through taken a lot. It through everything. That poor, thing was, that poor thing went through a lot before I got it. I bought it used and then I put it through hell and back. Yeah, it's so, time. I mean, it's a tank. It's been great, but it's been definitely beginning. It's getting old. <laughs> it's got, starting to seize up in certain things and <laughs> certain conditions it doesn't like. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's so frustrating when you learn hmm. things on how to make things work. And you learn from mistakes of your past. Like I will start time lapses with my battery that I've had in for a while. And I've learned, don't do that. Put, Put a, fresh a fresh battery, yeah, then yeah, start yeah. the time lapse. So I composed it, got it going, checked the time lapse was working. Then I'm like, okay, boom, new t- new battery, start the time lapse. So I did everything right. And, and then it still. stopped. And then your camera, you have knows what you could have done to prevent that. I don't even know. So no that clue. was disappointing, but Hesita Head, that pretty much sums up everything for me for success for Hesita Head. I, I only had that, okay. and it was okay. It's just, it's such a challenging thing when you have a really active foreground and big tree branches that come into your composition. If you go too wide, they're part of it, mm-hmm. and they just dictate to you what you can do. Mm. See, and for us, we didn't have anything. We were on the, the overlook, which is a turnout that comes out of the road with a nice, you know, rock wall, you can set your tripod up right next to it or even on it and uh, shoot, you know, facing north. As the sun was rising, uh, we got some reflection of the lighthouse. The paint was actually reflecting on the water. And it was really cool. That's nice little highlights. Like, what's reflecting the water? That's awesome. (laughs) Nice. So we played around with that as the sun rose. But before the sun rose, we just took a few shots. I liked some of them. You know, okay. Drew flew the drone around for quite a few minutes. And he got some really cool footage with that. Oh, yeah, I bet. And then uh, he had his 50 millimeter on that thing. It was amazing. <laughs> and so he's got some great video to go with that uh, from that morning because, again, clouds, no no clouds in the sky. Um, I was playing around with the sea lions with my long you know, 70 to 300. So I would, like, zoom all the way into 300 and then do a 10x digital zoom on the back. And I could fill the frame with, like, one sea lion. <laughs> and you'd film the them rock. or take a picture? I, I, I did film them for a couple of minutes. And then I um, got my phone out. And showed, you know, and did a video <laughs> of the back of the screen, of the camera, because it was so, well, you know, so good. So. Does anything stand out at Hesita Head for you as like what went well, where it didn't go well? Um, it looked better when the sun had fully risen and the sun was shining on the lighthouse. I got the reflection. I liked that shot the best. And, um, but uh, other than that, it wasn't really, we were just kind of playing around. I didn't really take anything too seriously or anything like so that. So if you don't so. have any clouds in the sky, Hasita Head Lighthouse it's actually kind of looks great with a golden hour morning. Yeah, yeah. You have to wait for the sun to shine on the lighthouse. It takes a good hour before the sun, before sunrise, after sunrise to, to get that. So To get more interest in the shot? Yeah. Well, right yeah. on. Well, going into Thor's right after that, you guys went there. I went back to work on some edits, and so I didn't join you guys in Thor's. I didn't want to get everything wet again mm. for just a mediocre morning light. We got there just before the sun was still, the shadow was still shining 
Oh, the shadow was covering Thor Thor's well. well still. So when we first got to Thor's well, we could do some longer exposures. But then that sun, you could see it. I mean, every few minutes creeping, you know, and then it, then it hit the rock, you know, right behind the well. So it was fully, the water's fully lit. Thor's well is still in the shadow. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, it's getting closer and closer. And even after it completely enveloped, uh, the sun was completely shining. I mean, even the 10 stop was not enough. You know, when the sun was it completely wasn't? shining on Thor's well, mm. only like four seconds or so looked good. After that, it kind of like blew it out. So we still got creative. We still wandered around. And what the great thing is it was still low tide and low um, swell kind of situation. As we were there longer in the morning, it started, the, the, the swell levels came up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tide, as the tide was rising, um, the swell level, I think, was stayed similar. But the Probably, tide was yeah. rising. So more water was coming up. And then it was, started doing the beautiful flushing back in. And ah, that's what makes long the exposure. Well so awesome. Um, I got to one side of the well, which I had never been on before because I think Kirk and Drew were oh, on that side. Oh, I saw side. that video. You were standing on the dangerous, I'm going to die side of the well. Yeah, which is funny because... No, it's so, terrible. Well, <laughs> big splashes were coming. I wasn't even getting wet. I mean, the splashes were covering, were coming between me and the other side of the well, but not coming on my side at all. So oh. I was on a big rock outcropping, totally safe. But from the picture that Drew took on the other side of the well, it looked like I was completely covered. Like he has, <laughs> he has like four shots in a row, like a series. Like you see the water like at my feet, at my knees, at my shoulders, and then over my head. <laughs> And it's like it's just between and it looks you like, and Drew. Yeah, then. and it looks like I'm completely <laughs> an idiot for being there. Oh, and yeah. as soon as it came back down, I'm like, I had four splashes, four drops that I got on my on my glass from that from that big splash. Oh, actual four droplets four drops. of water. Yeah. On so your I took glass. my microfiber out. I'm like, meet, 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 meet. Afterwards, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm ready to do some more shooting because obviously I was completely unaffected by that huge splash <laughs> that looked like I got covered in water. Oh, we can't say it enough how unsafe it is to do Thor's well without knowing the tides and the swells and yeah. standing where Brendan stood between the I was there for a good 20 and minutes before, well. and knowing where, what the patterns were, what was happening, yeah. that I felt comfortable being Dangerous. there because I wouldn't obviously have stood there uh, if it was dangerous. so. And rogue waves will kill anywhere oh, yeah. on Thor's well practically. So just know your surroundings. And, you know, I think you were dangerous being there, Brendan, and hope no one else does that based on our recommendation. Mm-hmm. But did it turn out to have a better shot from that angle? Did I it benefit did like you it, whatsoever? I, yeah, I did because I could get, I was closer to the well and I could look down into it from that angle much better because it, that higher outcropping is taller oh, on that yeah. south side. You could literally set your top up and look more into it. And then you could really got some really great, like some three or four second exposures that really time it. Yeah, the timing is so hard too, because a big splash will come up in the well and fill it. And then you got to wait for it to drain out and you got to start your exposure at the right time. You got to time it just right to get the perfect amount of drainage before it comes back up again. And, and so changes that look. Yeah. 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 And so it was really, and every, every like swell that would came in, come in was different as well like different lo- volume levels obviously so, yeah is so crazy so i was there for like a 10 minutes you know um getting stuff and uh by i the time hate I, that i asked whether it worked because i just don't want anyone to ever do that because that I know. a rogue wave hits you it's pushed you immediately into the well that's why seriously no guys saving yeah you. seriously guys look at just get an app don't that tells you did. swell levels and tide levels because seriously it's not safe to do that during medium to high tide because once that last tide came in that last swell came in and i could Wait, feel the tide getting the higher last, like wave came in or when you the noticed? last wave came in for me from standing there it like it like came up to like a, it actually splashed over my shoes and i said okay once it got over my shoes i said okay i'm back i'm going back ah uh, so once your much. wave got high enough to hit your shoes you said i'm it out it covered of my shoes that was yeah your it went to my ankles wave that you were there for yeah because yeah, i just yeah. knew it was gonna get higher after that so like, it's not worth the risk i'm going back <laughs> And I was, you know, I was in someone's, I was in their shot for about five to 10 minutes too. If That's people true. Were you were the in their shot. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going back now, guys. You guys can do, you know. Sorry guys, shots, I'm out of here. <laughs> but it's kind of cool to have a subject at the same time. Like that big splash coming up looks much more interesting with me being covered Until by it. subject than, dies. Yeah. So anyways. So anything really special that came out of there before we jump over to Cape Kowanda and Cannon Beach and end this podcast? Um, I don't think anything really that special, but it was fun. So we did have fun. Right we did on. get some decent images. Maybe there's something in there. I haven't actually called through those detailed uh, very well in those sure, shots. Sure, so. sure. We understand. Yeah. Awesome. So then with you guys who've never been out to this area, these areas like Secret Beach to Bandon to Thor's Well, they're like an hour and a half drive in between. Yeah, some so some shorter. Awesome. Yeah. And so it's really quick to hit these places. And if you ever have to fight the weather and try and, okay, I'm going to go back to this area, you could go back to any of these areas really quick. Mm-hmm. You can 
really plan to just be fluid and dynamic based on the weather because yeah, you can yeah. change your location so quickly, so easily, and it's a beautiful drive. And so we got back in the car, left Thorswell, the Yahats area, and continued north up to Pacific City where Cape Kiwanda is. Which is like a two to three hour drive. That's a longer drive, and I think it ended up being two hours, but I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, it seems quite a bit longer. That was one of our longest drives, if not the longest drive. And then from there to Manzanita where we stayed the night, we had an hour and a half drive as well. Right. And so we don't want to be out too late, but Cape Kiwanda, Cape Kiwanda, another area to Say, hey, be safe. Don't go out there in any crazy weather whatsoever because oh, yeah. it's just a nightmare of death. But there's a lot of people there. And when you get there, you go on the sandy dune that goes up, and there's a fence that says, Beyond this point, you will die. It says, Don't go past this, you will die. And it's not well, safe. Well, it didn't say you will die, but you can, you <laughs> no. definitely could die by doing dumb, <laughs> by making just even bad decisions, not even horrible decisions. Just one bad decision could kill you on that. Oh, cliff one bad or decision that slips you off that because you're looking slippery. at terrain that's eroding right there, yeah. right up to that fence. And so if you don't hug that fence, you are dangerously playing with your like, rolling the dice with your life. And last year it didn't seem like as slick and wet. Like this year was definitely yeah, was slicker different. and wetter on the sandstone. It was just not gripping. It was just it was weird. So in this area, not, Cape Kiwanda, we get to the fence, you walk up, and then you stay in the middle of everything, and you just head directly west. Mm-hmm. And you go up and down, and there's this really, really gnarly, narrow area that you slide down, climb up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just so steep and slick. You just kind of brace yourself, put your feet down, and do a little uh, sliding into home baseball position right. to get down. So if you have a bad ankles, bad knees, do not go here. Yeah, don't go to the edge. I mean... John and Teresa made it to half the halfway point. Yeah, which hill. is still a great view. It's still a great view. Yes. Awesome There's view. There's some fantastic trees. It's like a little cliffside. Um, you've got the rocks in front of you, and they could they could take pictures of us in silhouette, which could look really cool. You know and what I mean? Other than us being kind of in their shot, it might even be better just because there's so much foreground interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we get to our edge, it's the drop-off of the foreground interest, and right. it's gone before you get to the ocean. I mean, it's just so fast that it's gone. Yeah, and I, I really focused on um, some of the smaller, intimate landscape features in front of me, like little potholes or little tiny, there's little tiny uh, water puddles that I could get reflections in and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. And that's really what I played with during sunset and then uh, during the Milky Way. Stay on sunset for a okay. sec, because okay. I want to talk about how in this area, the sandstone is just, is it even uh, sandstone? It it's, is, it is, but it, it's just like tiger stripe sandstone. Interesting stripes. Yeah. And very orange, very red. And when the sunset golden hour is hitting it, it is blowing out. You are crazy blowing out those colors. Yeah, and so orange and like orange and yellow sand, like tiger stripe slash burlwood kind of look to it. I mean, yeah. it's really cool. So much interest, and there's a lot of things to play with that you kind of get intimate. I think mm-hmm. if if we could name that classic landscape shot where your wide angles bring in a foreground element that's very detailed that then leads your eyes up to mm-hmm. the, the horizon or the sunset or the clouds that are interesting, what would we name that? <laughs> this like tight foreground that almost needs to be focus stacked foreground that leads you because you think about getting that one cool gnarly branch or that really cool rock or that choya choya cactus that sits there and then leads to the rest of lost dutchman's day Mm -hmm. park Mm -hmm. i don't know what to necessarily call that type of composition classic landscape i don't know yeah it's very much (laughs) it's very popular right now yeah when you think about aaron bobnick ted gore and even what nick page and joshua snow and other guys are doing as well is great it's not thomas heaton like photography right his is more of this landscape and classical composition and dealing with what like a is grand, more of a grand overview. And just yeah, very much. the texture of like the top of trees, how they all kind of make a good pattern versus but this focusing foreground on one single tree. leading to yeah. a midground, leading to a background all right. within your image. And they right. all become a, they have a continuity, yeah, a yeah. connection. Yeah. And sometimes we see images where that foreground is very well featured, mm-hmm. but there's nothing connecting it to the background. Mm-hmm. It, it drops off too much right. or a different distracting shape takes place mm-hmm. and it disconnects it from there. Because you think of Aaron Bobnick's really beautiful flowers in the foreground mm-hmm. that lead you up the hill and those flowers end up looking like they trail on for miles before right. they hit the beautiful stormy clouds on the peaks of the Dolomites. Mm-hmm. 
And then you have someone else's shot that has the flower and has kind of this broken communication and then a really cool background. And those don't come out and turn out as well. They don't speak yeah, to us nearly yeah. as well as that awesome Aaron Bobnick shot. Yeah, yeah. And so that kind of composition is possible right here at the end of Cape Kiwanda. But some places have such a drop-off that they end up with that terrible disconnected foreground to background. Mm. And so there was something there that with the stripes I played with, with this one puddle and the stripes and a foreground element that kind of horned up towards me mm -hmm. and then led to what was my middle ground was sort of really close to me. But because I featured with a very wide angle that thing in front, mm -hmm. I'm hoping it didn't have that disconnect with the background yeah, because yeah. of the kind of little bit different focus elements there in the mid ground that lead to the C stack that tall, tall haystack that's out there. Yeah. I think it's called Haystack Rock there as well as Cannon Beach. They call it Haystack Rock. I, but that's yeah, isolated island between the water. Yeah. And so it gets separated with water between you. So you have rock, water, haystack, horizon. Right. And sky. And so I'm hoping they, they, they connect together. It's possible that my little water puddle kind of helps the elements of rock, water, rock, water, rock, water. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sky that matches the watercolor, keep everything, con have a good continuity, I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. But it's a challenge, but it's also a lot of opportunity. And you said you were doing your puddles, which were giving reflections even. Yeah, so I was like doing, at sunset, I got there. some, yeah, I got basically put my lens almost into the water. Um, I just set my camera, took Ooh. off the tripod, set it on the ground, and put my lens, you know, at the, the Tamron uh, 15 to 30 has this built-in lens hood, and you just set it right on like the water's edge, and I, and, and you can use, sometimes you have to use something to prop the lens up just a little bit because you're getting too low in, low in there. You mm, can't get in the right. sky. And that's blurry right there at the bottom of your Yeah. Frame. So you want to prop it up just a little bit to get it. But, um, but yeah, sometimes your fingers get an, uh, just enough width or sometimes a little rock or. Did you have the focus stack on that reflection? Mm -mm, I didn't. Uh, I think I set my, my aperture to about like F9, five. And then. Not even 16 or anymore. Huh? You could do it. Yeah. Nine. Cause there's a sweet spot between nine, five and like somewhere between nine, five and, and F 13 that if you focus on the basically like the rule of thirds, if you focus on that third line, the bottom line, mm -hmm. um, just before, just below the halfway point that usually gives you just enough, uh, range ah, nice. to go to, to infinity that most things are pretty clear and just have this little bit of, you know, out of focus, the bottom, but everything up into the sky is pretty well in focus. I so see. there's that kind of that sweet spot that you get to learn after a while. And I watched a video of this guy explaining it. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so I totally been using that and it's been working out like really well. So I don't want that yeah. little fuzzy part at the bottom. So I focus stack and okay. I think that's what I'm avoiding, but you're saying the best of both worlds, you can single get, image. You yeah. Can really for a single range. image, it's your best bet. And then you can probably crop that out if you plan for it, you know, mm. and get the fuzz, get some of that fuzz out. But sometimes it's kind of okay to leave it in there. So um, so I played around with that a little bit and, um, the sunset colors were actually pretty decent. We had a little bit of cloud action and then, then we had a fire going off yeah, fire brought north of us and that brought in some crazy red into the sky, and extra red and dark gray elements yeah, in, the yeah. sky, in the sky on the right. And it was just on the horizon. Unfortunately, it wasn't, there was some wispy clouds above us in some of my images. They had these semi-circle shapes. Yeah, but they didn't last very long either. They kind of went away after the sunset. In my then, images that I looked at and I see those little wisps, they almost mirrored the white lines underneath mm, me. So the foreground mm -hmm. has these white wisp circles and then I have the white wisp clouds above me. This is really color. cool. Yeah. I'm hoping in the final processing that I can make that clear yeah. that I liked that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've only gone through just a few images as well. And it's just a couple of images you just hit auto real fast on the uh, exposure, you know, just to see what it does, <laughs> what it looks like. I always tweak it after that, but I want to see what the yeah, computer does first. Interesting idea. Just a quick little, how does the foreground look? And then, because usually it's kind of dark. If you're exposing for the sky, your foreground's going to be dark, right? Right. You hit auto and all of a sudden, bam, that texture pops. You're like, whoa, that's cool. Then you can do some more tweaking. But it's fun just to see what just right off the bat, one click, you can get a quick, quick little feedback, you know, and see hmm. how it looks. So, uh, so that was kind of cool. I did that on a couple images um, just to see in the, in the sunset. And so I'm like, okay, okay, there's some promise here. Might find something in this, <laughs> uh, you know, 50 images that works really well. Awesome. Um, so yeah. earlier I cut you off before you went into the Milky Way that you were mm -hmm. going to comment on. Do you want to comment on that real quick? Then I'll go into what so yeah, went so well for Yeah, so from sunset, it went dark, and we then we waited for the Milky Way, to get, uh, you know, as the sky got darker. Um, I, did a sh I did some light painting with my phone um, on a really interesting, like, 
yin yang kind of shape that was in the ground just be just so uh, you made I, it your foreground i made that my foreground yeah yeah and i lit up my phone i did like some sweeping and did like try to focus on one area to make it kind of kind of try to bring the shape out because if you just do straight overhead it's flat and boring yeah, right if you do too much to the side the shadows too much on one side so distracting i try to do a little bit of shadow but a little bit of more light on the other side too so i'd actually sweep the light over my camera over my lens Going back and, and forth. Since you're moving it, you have shadows and contrast, but you're mm-hmm. moving it to make sort of a, a grayer shadow instead of a dark shadow. Yeah, and I'd even shine it out so it wasn't so focused. So you wouldn't just have this spotlight in front of you, but you have kind of a, a, a slowly gradiated light going Ooh, out to the perfect. foreground. I like that. Further out. And that was kind of cool too. So I'd actually go like 20 second exposure. I'd go over and top and then let it sit for like three or four or five seconds on one side to get that shadow detail. And then I'd shine it out and didn't let it fill the rest of the foreground out. Were you capturing for your foreground ice uh, separate from your sky or was, was all this one also shot. with your sky? So yeah, with sky, the sky exposure, yeah. focus on the stars. Yeah, so my light could be foreground. too bright. I had to figure out the right amount of brightness mm. for my phone and then and then use that as a light. And I, I played around with that for probably 20 minutes, a half an hour or so. And that's after you and Mary Beth went down. I think I was playing around with yeah, that. Yeah, Mary Beth, John, myself. Not John, not John Henry Maurice. Another John. Mm-hmm. Uh, he joined us. He was actually there for sunset. And right. He was planning right. on doing Milky Way. And we were talking about how we're staying for the Milky Way. And it's mm-hmm. really only in forty minutes. You want to hang out? And he stayed and hung out. And he nice. came down with me because we were seeing that we weren't going to be able to light paint any of that foreground. Really, no, yeah, we didn't Think yeah. about doing really close so that we could light paint with a phone. That's an mm-hmm. interesting idea. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to get some more foreground elements in our shot and since the milky way was almost right on top of that haystack rock out there yeah it's like okay that's going to be a feature i don't want to look like it's blocking my milky way i Mm -hmm. wanted to make it almost a feature so going down to where mary beth had already set up there was this right curve of landscape and underneath this landscape that could be lit up and the darn pacific beach area was lighting it up like crazy right you could see the rocks the restaurant and everything was just light pollution was just yeah. flooding it yeah. and that wall that was under like under where you guys were standing on that was all lit up right it, you could almost see shadows from things on it <laughs> it was so well lit up so that rock area and this cliff wall leading all up and kind of curving to the right and then pointing up towards and kind of leading your eye up towards there's a gap and then the haystack rock with the Milky Way coming mm. off of it. Now, I haven't seen my processed version, but I've seen Mary Beth. Yeah, that was awesome. She's got a nice green band of air glow that's yeah. happening. That separates from the ocean colors of darkness, the haystack that's a little bit lit, the really lit, lit foreground. Mm-hmm. Then also some sky with the, the clouds that were there getting different light pollution colors, plus the darkness of the sky and the Milky Way going up and away. I saw her image too. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I wish I was down there with you guys because that's awesome. (laughs) It was really, really neat in the end. What went well was just it was a fun composition. It turned out in the end, especially for something that you tried to get in the dark. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to get your composition in the dark, but you take a few more seconds in your shot and you can see it really clearly with the high ISO and then you can make and tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and go, okay, I like this. I believe the most. And then you just have to hope that when you get back to your computer screen that that foreground doesn't look terrible and distracting. What you can see on that tiny little LCD screen didn't look distracting and then you go home and realize that I need like 80% less of this foreground right so distracting I hate it but it turned out great in Mary Beth's and then what what didn't go well for me is that I got I got so from my sunset exposure to going down there moving my camera setting it up and then finding my composition I was happy. I was like, okay, I like this composition. Cool. I'll just do a time lapse now. We were in an area that I was crouching like I was Spider-Man on the side of a hill. You know mm. how Spider-Man sits like a catcher, but in a really cool long leg mm-hmm. Spider-Man crouch. I had to do that just to balance myself on a very 45 degree to higher huh. incl- inclined hill. And I didn't want to fall into Mary Beth and I was setting up my tripod that worked for it. But then my leg was just falling asleep on the right. So I didn't want to be there much longer. I wanted to start a time lapse and just get comfortable. Ah, Well, in the process of doing all of that and liking my composition, I forgot to actually take out my Lumi loop and get focus on the stars. This was my last three minute window only of full darkness with the core visible. And I was thinking about that. I was kind of feeling the sadness of this is going to be my last Milky Way of the year. My last Milky Way until next year in January. 
And I knew I wanted the time lapse and I just started the time lapse without thinking. Never refocused. Never focused anything for the stars. I looked back on the images though and the focus is just a little off. It's not bad. Mm. Because of my focus to sunset and because of the Tamron and its focus ring being a lot more touchy and because I never hit my back button focus in between, I think it was still on auto even, auto focus. Really? Yeah, because I never started focusing so I never changed it. And so it never moved. <laughs> Luckily, it never moved. It had a version of infinity focus already right. on. It wasn't Aaron King's favorite finely tuned loomy loop checked yeah, yeah. focus on the stars, but I think it's passable. Dang. I think it's actually passable. Thank yeah, the, well, the nice thing is it's like recording at over 4K. And so when you squish that down to 1080, it should like nice and sharp. And so yeah. you don't even know. No one's going to know. So the insiders know now. Except the people who heard me say yeah. it. I forgot to focus. <laughs> and they look at that and go, yeah, you know, it kind of is out of focus. At 1080p, you won't tell. I think it'll be probably pretty sharp, <laughs> which would be nice. That's the saving grace is that when you, you know, resize yeah. those images smaller, the sharpness comes it's out. It's like when screwed. you get a panorama and everything looks nice and tight after that panorama mm. has been stitched together and you got all of that extra, extra megapixel now. Right. Just giant image that you now share as a 1080p and you're like, hey, yeah, looks amazing. But if you zoomed in 100%, you'd see some flaws. You'd be like, oh, oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but shrinking that down to 1080 is nice. But uh, the my guys, with the, oh, real quickly, just the guys I was with yeah, yeah. had a moment of silence with me just as we... Uh, here it is, the last three mm. minutes. We couldn't see the actual core behind that haystack, but we knew it was up and that window was there. Yeah. And once that time passed, if I looked at my phone from that area in Northern Oregon, it says, the Milky Way core is invisible until January 23rd. Mm. So it was already giving me the heads up on my PhotoPills widget that said, hey, you know what? Your next chance is January 23rd of 2019. Two months. So yeah. we had a moment of silence, respected and honored that awesome, awesome Milky Way core, said goodbye, and it was a fun way to end it. I'm glad that I was able to mm. do it actually in that area's last night possible. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that it was my last of the year. It was the technical last one of that area of yeah, the year. Yeah, And I yeah. was glad that I was there for it. Cool. Um, I Like I said, I was just focusing on the Milky Way with those ob- with the uh, kind of textures in the bottom and I think the images turn out pretty good. I also um, didn't spend a whole lot of time focusing, but I think I did a couple test shots and I think I kind of nailed it without doing the loomy loop thing. Um, it's kind of impatient, I guess. So, <laughs> right. But after reviewing this, the third image that I took test shot, I figured, okay, that's good enough. It's, I can see, you know, pretty sharp. So I just went for it and uh, yeah, worked out, worked out pretty good. So that, la- that, um, our next our next area that we went to was uh, actually Cannon Beach, but you and I didn't actually go there. I did. I went to a sunrise the first not, the, the first, first morning. morning, and then you weren't oh. able to make it that morning because you never mentioned it, but Cape Kiwanda led you injured. Yeah, so one of the mishaps, one of the other mishaps I had during this trip <laughs> was uh, just at the very end, I mean, I slipped a lot, My and that, that sand got on my, I had gray pants on, and it was orange sand. And it's clearly yeah, on my butt we, we and on my side. All my over hips. the front seat. <laughs> the next day when we were driving to Cannon Beach, Kirk's like, Did Brendan sit here last night? Because it was just covered in that orange yeah. sand. Yeah. So at the very <laughs> end where the uh, where the where the uh, fence is, there's a, a lower point of the wall of the ground where there's you can duck under. And uh, so I, I got down and Drew went first and he went fine. And then once I went after him, slip and I landed Right on my hip. Was it one of those situations where you're just about to take that leaning step to slide yourself, but before you slid yourself, you thought you had te- you had thought you had grip, and then it went yeah. there, and, and it was like a good and it was a good it. foot of fall. Oh, really? From from where my hip was to when it hit the ground, a whole foot of full body weight, bam, right on my hip. I'm like, oh, so I sat there for like a thirty seconds, like, dang it, that hurt, <laughs> you know. And Chris like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, he's like, Sucking man. those tears back he's in like, the tear you, duct. You got to be careful, man. You can break, break your hip doing that or something. I'm like, yeah. Like, uh, good thing I'm not like old, old yet because that would that could have been resulting in a broken bone or something. But Hey, uh, guys. Sorry we're late for dinner. <sighs> Brendan broke his hip. Yeah. What? Yeah, it could have been, yeah, like that. So gladly <laughs> it wasn't. I knew it was just a bruise and I, I walked it off just fine. But that night I had horrible sleep because every time I leaned on that side, I'd feel it. <laughs> And it's fine now. Like it didn't, it wasn't like a major bruise, but it was enough to annoy me that night and keep me 
tossing and turning. So yeah, uh, you said it from the doorway. You're like, guys, uh, I'm not going to come. Yeah. I couldn't sleep well last night at all. And yeah. then you finally got good sleep. It seemed like, yeah, when you guys left, I was completely out, like <laughs> zonked. So, so Cannon Beach, you didn't join us and yeah. let's not talk about it too long. There wasn't anything terribly amazing, but we did meet James out there. Wobbly cat. His mm. has on his license plate of his motorcycles, wobbly cat. And people called him wobbly. I think, uh, mm. All, all of his nicknames is Wobbly, and he has Wobbly Cat for an Instagram. So hmm. if you check out at Wobbly Cat, you can see James's photography. Nice. But he was out there shooting from the beach, and then when I came out, he's like, hey, I want to commend you for your dedication to the, to the art. And I'm like, really? What do you mean? He was noticing that I had my full suit on, you know, my, <laughs> my really full windbreaking waterproofish pants over my NRS boundary socks, over my Keens. I had one last time that I knew I was going to be out here, so I mm-hmm. just went for the gold. And we didn't quite have the reflective color that was happening in the beach area. Nothing, yeah. nothing that wasn't, you know, nothing that was worth doing the same thing as last year, you know. Nothing was worth doing the same composition. Right, so I wanted to right. do it differently. I remembered regretting not going further away from it like Drew did. Mm. Thanks to him having a 70D, a 7, 7D Mark three or two. I Mark two, 70 Mark two. Yeah, it's a crop sensor. He had yeah. that, the crop, forced him to go further from the subject anyway and ended up with a really neat shot that I wish mm. I had from that morning that mm-hmm. was further away instead of all jammed up on the haystack rock. Mm. So I was like, I want to try that. And then after I tried that and it looked okay and it was fine, I was noticing how the waves were making cool lines. And so I just got in there waist deep. <laughs> I mm. was, as I'm trudging through the water and it's hitting off of me, I was looking down and I'm like, you know, I can tell the water's hitting me. But nothing's making me wet. This is nice. awesome. And so I didn't feel anything until it hit the waistband. <laughs> and when it hit the waistband, it sunk in a little bit and said, mm. hey, this is cold water. Remember, you're in the ocean. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'm in the ocean. But I was standing out there, short Aaron, waist deep water, waves crashing aside of me, and I'm just enjoying it, just capturing away. My Faisal nice. tripod was two, three leg segments deep in the water and every, you know, every new wave would, um, you know, would dig out the sand underneath my feet mm-hmm. and now it's making a half a foot hole, then a whole foot hole. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, now I've got to shift because now I'm going so far deep. <laughs> the camera's getting higher and higher on me and I can't see what's happening on the hill. It was light screen. enough to stay up and you're sinking down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I had to move just so that I could stand next to my camera. And so I was playing in that and it was awesome. He's like, I, uh, well done. Well done, you know, dedication to the craft right here, standing out in the early morning cold in the ocean to get that shot. Yeah. I can't come back and say it was worth it. Check out this portfolio piece. Right. Because, you like, know, mm, Yeah, you guys came back and just like, man, I was like, oh, I'm glad I slept. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I was stuck between two awesome opportunities. Having a composition with waves crashing in front of you, leading mm-hmm. all the way down to a cool subject, mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. even having color change as the wave is coming up next to you, it's a great shot. Yeah. With sunlight. With sunlight where you can go fast enough shutter, oh, fast yeah, enough yeah. shot to really focus from the foreground all the way to the back. Mm-hmm. I needed more light for that kind of shot. Yeah. But then it wasn't dark enough and cool enough to go for an to really enjoy, well, okay, I could go for a really long shutter, mm-hmm. but it wasn't interesting. Everything mm-hmm. blurred out. Yeah, it wasn't really atmospheric in the right way in this composition. It's amazing how much craft goes into your shutter speed. Right? When you guys really start experimenting with your shutter speed, there's so much you can do. Yeah, with water especially. That's the thing with the coast is if you do a long shutter, a nice lazy shutter, then you can <laughs> really smooth out and get some amazing, like, like, cloud ethereal heavenly looking texture on the water that doesn't look like water anymore it looks like a a nice smooth silky cloud it shares the color of the surroundings better like yeah. that or you can do something in between a fast and slow shutter and get something with some with some smoothness but then still some texture and some detail mm-hmm. or you can go super fast so there's enough light yeah and capture the real gritty the water particles and freeze time you know <laughs> and so i mean that's just so much you can do if you i mean maybe that's a uh can we do like a kind of 15 day challenge or something like that about shutter speed? Like, would that be kind of fun challenge to do? It would be Maybe tough challenge to yourself. do in some areas like the desert. Cause if I go for a long shutter or a short shutter, the only thing that changes is how much light I'm letting. Yeah. In. But is that, but how does that make you think about what you're shooting and where you want to go shoot based on a shutter speed challenge? You know what I mean? Like maybe that's something you can idea. challenge yourself, you know, yeah. like, and maybe we're not, we might not set up a challenge in its own, but challenge yourself guys 
play with your shutter really get to know it because there's so much interesting artistic things you can do mm-hmm. with that long or short shutter speed. It's really cool. And as I'm playing around with my options, I'm seeing that there's these really cool islands of suds, like soapy suds on mm. top of the water yeah, that foam. I could freeze in time. That sea foam could mm. freeze in time and it had its own line of compositional like it's like pointing the direction of the eyes point towards mm. the haystack mm-hmm. and the way that the wig would pull back, it would kind of be this long diagonal line right to oh, it. Oh, nice. I was like, this is looking great. But in order to freeze those and create the motion, I couldn't do it. I just didn't mm. have enough light to make those get frozen in time. And mm. so those same white islands, if you go for a longer shutter, they become like a a painter's brush across your foreground. And each of them draw a long line like a star trail would. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. all of these, if there are too many of them and a long enough shutter, they all become a white subject. And so now this white subject in front is not getting the color and reflection of the haystack. It's making a white Mm. canvas of white. And with the right reflective light, with the right color in the sky, that canvas of white can be really interesting with a long shutter because of the color showing up in it. Or when you freeze it in time because you see that shape and that really cool bubbly look and you want to capture it, it, I, I, I couldn't do it on a low enough ISO to be worth it. Oh, okay. I could capture that speed with a high enough ISO, but it just was not worth it. And it would hmm. be another hour before maybe the light would be enough mm-hmm. to capture that in, in quick motion. And then at that point, what I had in the sky and the bands and the and the interest on the rock would, would change. It'd be a whole different scene. Yeah, yeah. So I was blending like what I should do in a Florida sunrise with this Oregon coast sunrise. Mm. And it just doesn't work the same. Right, you need that sunlight, right. direct sunlight. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So that well, was Cannon Beach. Are we going to talk about the other locations in another podcast? or What do you mean by other locations? The Peter Irondale wreck. Oh, we will because we're going to talk with Kirk and Drew with that okay, one. Okay, because that was really fun. And That's guys, a different experience. Yeah, the next podcast we talk about that will be really great because that was really fun. And you may get some previews of that mention. with some Instagram posts I'm going to be doing oh, yeah? soon. Because those images, I'm really happy <laughs> with some of them. I'm really excited to share some of those. So The long really list cool. said really fast is that we went to Redwoods, Secret Beach, Natural Bridges, Bandon Thors, Hasita Head Lighthouse, Cape Gowanda, Cannon Beach, and Peter Iredell Wreck. Yeah. So all these areas we went through during this listener adventure. We had no listeners with us except for Kirk and Drew, but they're just part of the team now in Photog mm-hmm. Adventures. They really are, yeah. And so it was just Photog Adventures at that point, hanging out at Peter Iredell. And so we'll hang out with them on the podcast in episode 106 and talk more about that. All right. So in the end, when it comes to our Miss Photog misadventures, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it was crazy too things. bad. I mean, I got a little bit of a bruise in my hip. You didn't do focus. I left my phone. I got sand in the seat. And you left your phone. Drew and I both left our phones. Yeah, you guys both lost your phones for a couple hours and got them back. Thank goodness for find your iPhone. We really lucked out this trip with something not catastrophic. (laughs) There's so much potential for catastrophic events happening (laughs) when you go out on an adventure, especially for a week long. And we had so many things that did happen that none of them were really catastrophic. We missed our flight on the way back. Oh my gosh, yes. But, but we that didn't still get any wasn't because she was nice. Yeah, that still wasn't huge as a one day setback. It wasn't even a half day, actually. It was half day setback. If you don't count the fact that we just sleep there that yeah. night. Yeah. Kind so of we a had, half day. Yeah. So, you know, not life or death, nothing really too tragic. And in the end, it turned nice. out to be better because we flew back direct flight yeah. and we met an awesome lady who has a place out in Florida where there's actual, I mean, actual bioluminescence that happens on her island right there and she sees She's SpaceX the launches not in the keys she called them the uh oh I didn't write him down but it's Cindy and okay. she was in these islands that's just off the coast that's of, awesome it, it's close to the Orlando area okay but then these islands offer you an opportunity to see the SpaceX launches and to up cool. in the sky see those really cool long streaks that we can do a long shutter plus yeah. a bioluminescence on the ground it's amazing. Yeah, so Drew sat next to her in the flight, and they became friends. And now they're just like, she's like, come over to him. Like, she's like, oh, I want okay. you guys to come to my house and stay. We're like, yeah, yes, okay. you yes. got it. Yes. We okay. will be there. <laughs> Don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So hope you guys who didn't make it to the listener adventure are thinking, man, I can't wait to do that for, with you guys next year. It's going to be shorter next year, guys. Shorter. I'm sorry. I know there's tons of locations we can hit. 
but it's crazy and busy and hard to do a seven day straight and mm-hmm. really ended up being five days for a listener adventure, but for us to be there at seven days. So it's going to be shorter next year, but we'll hit the highlight areas and go through these fast. You'll have ex- great experiences at secret beach, Thorswell, Bandon. And then after that, that might be it. Might be just yeah. those three what we go to next year. But Cape That's Kawanda cool. should be included. Okay, we'll end it at Cape Kawanda. I think those will be the highlights. But mm. we'll tell you more about that next year as it gets closer, as well as yeah. listener adventures that we'll have here in Utah. We are going to do a listener adventure out at Salt Flats with the hope of doing a reflected Milky Way with a big old group mm. selfie in front of that light pollution. Yeah. That's my dream in June next year okay. <laughs> to make it happen. It might cool. be the end of May, might be the beginning of June or end of June, but we'll make but we'll it happen. We'll let you know. Yes. Ears peeled. Ears peeled. Yeah. Peel those ears back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys enjoy this content and you really love following us, don't thank us. Thank our patrons. Yeah. Those are the awesome people who have dedicated five, ten, fifteen dollars to help support Photog Adventures. Yeah. Even a few at twenty-five. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Really love you guys. Really appreciate. Hope that you guys are loving the Monday interviews. We have those still coming. You hope you enjoy them. And man, it's been a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy all the extra live content as well. Yep. Thanks, guys, and we'll check you later. See you guys next week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. <laughs>